Welcome to Paper Team, a podcast about television writing and becoming a TV writer. I'm Alex Friedman, aka TV Calling. And I'm Nick Watson uh, on Twitter at underscore NJ Watson. And today we're going to talk about following up with people. We already mentioned in another episode ways of meeting with them. But today we're going to talk more specifically about why you should be following up and how you should be following up and also how long after you meet that person. So let's dive right into the first one. Why are you following up? So the three broad kinds of following up, you might be catching up. It could be to say thank you, or it could be some kind of informational exchange if you need something or following up on something that they promised you, etc. So the first one is uh, that meeting or catching up. Right. I mean, we've talked earlier about ways of meeting people. And so this would be the step between either transforming a mixer kind of like connection into a one-on-one or if you haven't met that person, what you should be doing in terms of cold emailing that individual. I feel like that's the number one way that most people will follow up. You've met them at a mixer or at a networking event, and then you're gonna, at some point in time, you're gonna shoot them an email saying, hey, like, nice seeing you. Uh, you wanna grab drinks at some point? Uh, so it's either gonna be that, or like the cold example would be, earlier we brought up the idea of, you don't wanna bug the panelist after an event. So in that case, an example would be post-panel, you would email them, thanking them for their time, or like, thank you for saying, XYZ at a panel, I would love to like grab a drink or whatever it is. Uh, maybe not so direct, but we'll talk more about that in a second. There's also kind of like a third version of that, which would be if you haven't seen someone for a long time or haven't connected in a, in a while, you may also uh, want to send them a follow-up email in terms of updating them with new things from your life. Yeah. And that's, you know, just kind of good manners and, and, and a good way to put yourself back on their radar and or put it on the radar in the first place. So let's say you had um, a job interview and you want to shoot an email out to thank them. Some people like to do handwritten notes for interviews. Um, you know, they might drop it back off to the office or something, and that can be a way to help you stand out. I feel like email is just the standard thank you type right. thing. Try to personalize it a little bit to them, but keep it brief. Like you don't want them to have to read a whole paragraph. I feel like the kind of like the post interview thank you is a bit underrated in terms of a follow up. Only a slim portion of people generally will send kind of a thank you email or even like letter, whatever that is, after interviews or job offers. And if you do that, I feel like it makes you much more memorable and you would be standing out from the crowd of just like the however many people have sent their resume. Another reason to send a thank you could be if you already have had drinks or seen someone at an event and you've met and had a good time, that can be just a nice little kind of cap off to be like, hey, it was really great meeting you. Thanks for the chat. Let's definitely do it again sometime or whatever it happens to be. Especially if you you just met kind of like a higher level person, um, again, it kind of puts a bow on that interaction. And as long as you say you're grateful and mean it, I think it puts that relationship into, uh, it brings it to a new level. It helps so, refresh who you are in their memory as well. Like if, if you followed up and said thank you, they're like, oh yeah, that was a nice meeting or whatever. But if they never heard from you again, they might just forget about you. And then in terms of the third reason why you would be following up would be more the informational type email. Uh, so that would be either asking someone for advice, maybe not in person, but just kind of a quick question, or if you have a mentor, that's sort a of relationship. And then the other side, more on the writing side, would be asking for notes, uh, asking for feedback on scripts you wrote. If you are doing this via email or text or Facebook or tweet or whatever it happens to be, have a very specific purpose for it and keep it concise. Uh, you don't want them to have to write back an essay-length thing to you because that's a huge ask of their time and that's something that's maybe more suited to uh, a face-to-face -face or a phone call rather than that. So, um, you know, you don't want to request something so broad as like, hey, how do I make it as a writer in Hollywood? <laughs> 
Like that is a huge topic. That is why this podcast exists. Listen so, to us. So Nick, um, uh, what is the meaning of life? <laughs> yeah. Just following up on our meeting from the other day. Uh, can you tell me, is there a point to our existence? Oh yeah, sure. Uh, but so for an example, I mentioned the other day, I have a sort of showrunner mentor that an old boss of mine put me in contact with. And um, we would have kind of a longer phone conversation or something about how to make it as a writer in Hollywood. So I would then go back and kind of send a few little like life updates. So that either falls into the realm of this, the earlier kind of like life update thing we mentioned, catching up with people, or it could even be an informational thing because it could be useful for them to know that, hey, I just got a job as a writer's assistant on this show or whatever. And they're like, okay, because that could come in handy for them at some point if they need to get in contact with one of the writers or anything like that. And it also shows them that you are making progress in your career and you're putting in the hard work and you're really dedicating yourself and they will respect that and might be more willing to engage with you in the future if they know that you're actually putting in the hard work yourself. Common rule of thumb would be if you can Google it and find an answer, then don't ask it in a follow-up email. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But if it is something that is kind of like specific and personal, for example, you're like, hey, I just got a job as a writer's PA, like, you know, in your experience as a showrunner and as a writer, like, what are some things that your really great writer's PAs have done for you in the past that you remembered and, you know, wanted to help them out and stuff? And they can be like, well, make sure you always remember everyone's names and label the lunch orders and what, you know, even if it is kind of like informational stuff like that uh it is kind of personalized advice it's also not strictly knowledge-based um it could just be also hey uh i was meeting with this manager do you know that person or yeah, what, what really do you think common. of his uh, work ethic and that kind of stuff it's all about finding the reason why you are emailing this person and not someone else now that we've looked at the reasons why you would be following up with someone let's look at how long after you've either met them or seen them you should be emailing them. This is assuming that you haven't already heard back. Like you don't have to stick to these like a robot. Like even if you've been in conversation, you're like, oh no, I've hit the 48 hour mark. I must send my <laughs> reminder email. Um, this is just if you really like needing something from them or wanting to continue that relationship kind of thing uh, and you haven't heard anything. This is the time frames that we would recommend for that. So the first one, within 24 hours, that is an appropriate amount of time for a thank you email or just like a, a general kind of like follow up along those lines, not a a huge kind of um, lengthy ask or anything like that. Just like a brief, great meeting you um, at those drinks or that mixer. Thanks for coming out. Um, kind of jogging the memory, like we said before, the, of who you are and, and your connection. And maybe if they had offered something, like they're like, I'm going to send you um, the UTA job list or whatever, without you even necessarily asking, as long as you send that follow-up email in their head, that might switch on and be like, oh, right, I was going to get them this thing. So Yeah, or the other way around, if they offer to read your script, you should be sending your script uh, within yeah. uh, within. 24 hours exactly yeah don't make them forget about it and get too busy yeah, I mean, that also goes for any kind of like a uh, mixer. You meet so many people at those events that if you take too long to follow up with any connection you made at that networking event, mm -hmm. uh, they may be lost forever. Uh, yeah. You know, it's kind of like this ephemeral connection that you have with someone talking about a subject you mutually enjoyed. But uh, then if you don't hear back from that person within like two or three days, you don't even remember who that guy is. People like managers and agents are so incredibly busy and they meet so many different people and talk to hundreds of people a day on the phone that uh, you very easily will leave their memory if you don't do your due diligence and uh, follow up with that script. Right. The next time frame is probably around 48 hours. And that would be after submitting an application. Uh, if you sent your resume or if you've interviewed for a job, 
um, then that would be around a good time to follow up. Now, this is not about emailing someone asking, oh, why, why don't I have a job yet? Like, uh, <laughs> what's up with that? It's more about just a general check-in. Again, all these timeframes are assuming you haven't heard back from that person. So if after 48 hours, after an interview or, um, you know, you've sent your resume, whatever it is, um, you can just do a quick like, hey, just checking in if you got it. I'm making sure that you actually send it to the right email. One, getting maybe a time frame for when they're likely to make the decision. Don't be like, why haven't you made a decision? But just be like, oh, should we expect to hear back in a couple of weeks? Or And they'll be like, oh, we're actually making decisions on Friday. We'll let you know then kind of thing. So at least then you're not sitting there wondering if you're ever going to hear back from them. Right. And then the next time frame, and that's probably related to the most amount of follow-ups, is between two and four weeks. Um, so that would be for the more casual ask. Let's say you met someone at an event and you've kind of like hit it off over a couple of emails and you ask them for a drink. If you haven't heard back on that person within two or four weeks, then that would be a good time to hit them back up. If some matters are more urgent for some reason, for example, you know that uh, someone you met was going away out of the country for six months in three weeks time or whatever, you might want to, you know, you can obviously tailor your approach and be like, oh, maybe it's okay to shoot up a follow-up email after a week or two weeks or something if I haven't heard from them. But in general, just be careful about kind of being too insistent and too pushy about these things. You don't want to seem desperate or like you've got nothing else going on in your life or anything like that. And then the final time frame is anything over three months. And that's kind of the general like catching up email and keeping other people updated about what you're doing. So this is maybe if you haven't been in contact for a little while, a good way to kind of like get yourself back in is to tell people what you've been up to. Don't just be someone who is like asking and um, not offering anything of your own because then it's not really a conversation. It's it's you wanting something from them again. So even if you've lost touch, you can potentially reconnect with people um, by doing that. So one little story that I have back in Australia after I graduated from my master's of screenwriting, I was recommended to an animation company in Australia in Sydney by a couple of industry execs who came to our pitch night. They liked my, my pitch and my, my show that I was going out with. So um, they put me in touch with these guys because uh, there's not a ton of animation going on in Australia. There's actually a decent amount of kids animation, but um, this company was doing a little bit more adult oriented stuff. So they're like, hey, let's put you together. Um, this was maybe September of 2014. They did an email intro. I didn't hear anything back for a little while. I kind of followed up myself being like, hey, these people connected us, tried to give them as much information as I could kind of thing. And I had to do it maybe two or three times over the next two or three months, I would say maybe almost like once a month or, um, you know, just to make sure that I could establish that initial connection. And every now and then they would shoot a little reply back to say, sorry, we've been so busy. We had this big kind of like international sales conference and we were in France and things like that. Let's like find a time to get together. And so I just check back in maybe once a month to see when it was appropriate to, to set that time to get together. Uh, so eventually in December, his uh, development assistant got back to me saying that they had read my script and they liked it, but it wasn't the kind of thing that they could do because they were still reliant on that funding for kids animation from the Australian government. So, uh, but they did want to meet me. And so that was exciting, except by that time I was living in Vancouver in Canada. I was no longer in Australia, so I couldn't actually come in and meet with them face to face. I was like, well, have I kind of like screwed the pooch on that one? No. So he actually offered like a Skype face to face, um, which is, you know, another way you can connect with people who you are quite distant from. It's a little more personal than email or phone call. So, um, I Skyped with his development assistant because his bosses were so busy doing stuff. And he liked me enough that we continued to keep in touch. And he was like, hey, look, if we have any more shows coming up, we would be happy for you to pitch episode ideas for them. And if we like it, maybe we'll give you this episode to, to write freelance. 
So following on from that, I kept checking in every couple of every couple of months, so every three months, like we've been recommending to see whether they had a new show coming out and what they've been up to. And I was constantly updating them on my life and my accomplishments. I had moved to Vancouver. I was working in the industry there. I ended up moving down to LA and I was working on some shows there. So I was constantly kind of like providing just enough information that let them know that I was doing stuff and I was still interested in this industry and I was making my way in my career. I wasn't just kind of like some guy sitting at home being like, can I write for you yet? Can I write for you yet? while not ever making any step forward towards it myself. You know, if you sound like you're kicking goals out in the world, they're probably going to be more likely to want to work with you when the time is right. Uh, And it gives them something interesting to read rather than just some generic guy being like, hey, remember me? Remember me? (laughs) (laughs) So eventually, this, this kind of like little game of following up, following up every three months or whatever. This year in April, almost 18 months after that initial introduction, the development assistant who had read my stuff and liked me actually got promoted to the development executive at their company. We reached back out and we're in touch again. And I was like, hey, congratulations on your new job. And he was like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's awesome. You're welcome to like pitch me any show ideas you want anytime, send me any new samples and I'll keep you in mind for more kind of freelance work. So even though the majority of my relationship was just with this assistant guy and keeping in touch with him because his bosses were so busy, somewhere down the line, that assistant is going to get a promotion or he's going to go to another company and and be someone there. So none of it actually goes to waste. Even if you lose touch or haven't spoken for so many months, you can always follow up and it will pay off in the end. Absolutely. I mean, persistence pays off in this industry. And what we mean by that is don't be discouraged or even thrown off by any lack of answers, especially from people up the ladder or the mid-level people we mentioned uh, in the previous episode. You know, we keep saying it's like dating. Uh, it only takes one yes to connect with someone. Uh, with that said, there are a few like kind of like ground rules. Uh, I would say number one, like just stay polite and don't feel entitled to their time. You know, if you email them and they don't answer back, they're probably busy. They're not trying to avoid you necessarily. Then the other side is when you follow up, space those emails out. We just gave you broad guidelines in terms of when you should be sending these follow-ups. Yeah, you will come to understand when you start working as a writer or an exec or agent or manager or any kind of junior position related to those fields, just how busy your schedule gets when you are working and how you have to prioritize the important things over random people who are just kind of emailing you to get in touch. Another quick story of mine, I, while I was working as a director's assistant on a set in Vancouver, I met uh, our lead actress over lunch and um, she was also Australian. So we kind of bonded over that. I told her that I was a writer that I'd studied at this school back in Australia that she knew about. And uh, she was like excited. She was like, oh, that's cool. Look, they just, my agent or whatever just sent me this kind of TV treatment for a show that these writers and producers wanted her to attach to. And she wanted me to take a look at it and give her my thoughts. And then I was like, oh, that's awesome. I would love to do that. So at the time she took my phone and sent an email to her email so that she had that. And so I waited on that for a little while, maybe... I don't know, after we wrapped on the movie, it might have been a month or two before I followed up just to see where she was at. And I probably took two emails without a response before she actually did respond maybe two months later. But she responded positively. It wasn't like I had been annoying her and that kind of thing. She had obviously just been busy with other projects. Um, And then maybe another two emails over the next three months, and she actually ended up sending me the TV treatment. Mm. Um, So if she wasn't interested in giving it to me or working with me, she would have just continued to ignore me and I never would have got it. So it was a sign that being persistent was going to help just being patient. 
patient as well. Yeah, I mean, it's all based on having that one-on-one connection with that person. Uh, there's a reason, there should be a reason why you are emailing them and why they should be emailing you back. Even if it's not someone that's quote-unquote useful to you, generally speaking, they're worth emailing. Um, I, I will bring back the example of the executives who I saw at the New York TV Festival. Um, I emailed a few of them, including comedy people, uh, including someone at Funny or Die. And again, I'm a drama person. I kept emailing them being persistent, although not being a creep, but persistent enough that over a few months, we finally had breakfast. And Mm -hmm. the reason why we were kind of like pushing it back and back again was simply because her schedule was like insane. She had just been, you know, upgraded to coordinator level at um, on one of their shows. Mm -hmm. And so obviously she was becoming extremely busy and just could not meet with just some random dude. Yeah, exactly. So the the ending of my story with that actress and the TV treatment, I was so eager that I wrote a whole bunch of notes on a huge kind of like show Bible in within 24 hours and sent them straight back to her <laughs> thinking that, oh, she's replying now. Maybe she's not busy and she can get back to me right away. She did actually respond fairly quickly and was like, wow, these are great. Um, she really liked the notes. She was like, let's jump on the phone sometime and we can talk about them. And I'm like, cool. And now maybe for like the last six months, we've been trying to set a time to talk on the phone. And it's just been that that same kind of checking in again, checking in. And eventually I'm sure we will we'll make that time, sir. But like we said, be persistent, be patient, be polite and respectful, and uh, things will pay off in the end. Yeah, just don't be a creep. Uh, like uh, Radiohead said, it's really not about bombarding people with emails, just saying, where's my stuff? Where's my stuff? Or have you read my stuff? Have you read my stuff? It's all counterproductive. It's really just about make every email you send count. One other little point is that being too nice can sometimes be a bad thing. If you are sending like flowers or chocolates to someone that you just oh met as a God. mixer, that's going to come off creepy or like pushy if you're really trying to get, you know, a meeting with that with their boss or something like that. It, it shows that you want something just like a little bit too much. I think you're buttering them up for what you can get for them rather from them rather than treating them like another human being and a friend. Um, no matter how much you want that writer's assistant job or whatever, like <laughs> shower them with gifts and thanks after you get it or after they get you an interview or something rather than just being weirdly, you know, into it. By the way, did you get the Honda Fit I just bought you, Nick? <laughs> yeah, but I sent it back. You know. Oh, what? It didn't fit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now that we've looked at why you should be following up with someone and how long after you should be following up, let's look at how you will be following up. So what are we talking about here? Uh, should I just send like a pigeon carrier over to you? Uh, yeah, uh, smoke signals, ravens, I think are the most pros, common, commonly yeah. accepted. Uh, no, but for, for real, the number one is obviously emails for a couple of reasons. The first is that it allows people to reply at their own pace when they have time. It's not like you are calling their phone and they got to pick it up and talk to you right now or find a time to return your call. It, it just doesn't have that same kind of like impatient feel to it. It's like an email. They can get to it when they get to it. It's not intrusive. It's not kind of like pushing itself into their life. They could potentially say that they forgot about it and have that plausible deniability. Oh no, it went in my spam folder. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Whereas missed calls or texts on their phone, it's a lot easier, a lot harder to uh, to say that that happened if they need to cover up. Yeah. And then beyond emails, there are a couple of other ways you could follow up with someone. The number one after email would be uh, texting, but that would be only if if you know this person in real life, if you just keep texting this person that uh, just gave you their business cards, uh, they're going to wonder like, what's up with that guy? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, after that, Facebook is probably the most informal after email and certainly suits more people at our age level and those kind of like 20s, 30s, um, maybe 
not appropriate to try and add some like 60 year old exec <laughs> from the studio on Facebook or something like that. I will add that uh, Twitter is a bit dissimilar in the sense that you, you can send someone a tweet after seeing them at an event. And I think that's totally fine, but that's completely different from starting to DM them and private message them on the different social media platforms. Yeah, totally. And then as we said before, calls are if a matter is kind of more urgent. Um, but yeah, as I was kind of hinting at before, the, the uh, important and the suitability of these different things is changes by generation. So texts have a different meaning to people who are older than this. Um, Facebook might not be something they use. Calls might actually be um, something that is much more uh, palatable to an older person than receiving a text on their phone. Yeah, I mean, soon we'll all be sitting in our living rooms with an HTC Vive striped to our heads, and that's literally the only way we're going to communicate with other human beings. So <laughs> it, all, it all changes depending on the generation. Or well, once Pokemon Go gets an internal messaging system, uh, that's all anyone will ever use. It's, it's over. All right, now let's look at kind of the content of those emails uh, or those follow-up messages. We will preface this by saying that uh, what we we're about to say are elements or tips that worked for us. Uh, if you don't feel comfortable doing something that we're going to talk about, uh, just don't do it. With that said, you should be prepared to take risks. As Michael Jordan said, uh, you miss every shot you don't take. I have a little story here about my current boss and how he ended up becoming kind of a fairly big producer within 10 years of making it to LA. He literally showed up here when he was 29 wanting to be an actor. He wandered onto random movie sets and asked people questions. I, I'm not saying that I recommend this, but this is what he did. He would like walk up to the director or a cast member and just be genuinely curious and excited and, and ask them questions about what they were doing. He wouldn't do it in kind of a very annoying, pestering way, but they could see that he was genuinely interested in this stuff. And so they would let him stick around and learn. I think the director, like to get him out of his way, gave him a, a role as a background performer <laughs> on, on the thing. Um, but he used that as an opportunity to meet other people. Um, later on, when he was working another job, he walked into the head of a studio's office as like an intern or something and said to him, look, I don't know exactly what you do, but I want to do it. And this guy kind of like liked his moxie and started letting him read scripts for him. And so now 10 years later, he's producing TV and features at you know a fairly high level. So I don't recommend doing exactly what he did, but it just shows that if you're willing to take a risk sometimes and willing to accept the consequences of that, it could very well pay off for you. Now, let's look at what you're going to say. The, the first thing to talk about is emailing someone is still a personal medium. You gotta be personable, especially if you're talking to someone uh, you want to build a relationship with in the long term. It's not really about copy pasting a generic, like just checking email over and over again. It's about the, the specific context why you're gonna be emailing that person. And I feel like creating that human connection in what you are writing is vital. Yeah, one thing that I try to do and my writing partner does when we're emailing people about work stuff if they want to bring us in for things is try to be funny in the email. You're trying to communicate that across that you are funny people and they should hire you to do funny things. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, on my side, I, I can't really be dramatic in an email. <laughs> but you could. You Let's could. do some dramatic email readings <laughs> of your inbox. I will make you cry every time you open my emails. <laughs> but no, but seriously, um, it's, it's all about kind of like hearkening back to the reason why you are emailing them and the context why or how you met them. So for example, as I said in a previous podcast last year, I went to the New York TV Festival and there were several panels with different higher level executives talking about the way they approach content. And uh, one of those executives uh, was the SVP of uh, original programming at Stores. And at some point uh, while talking about the shows of the network, she made a comment about 
comedy not traveling well overseas, and specifically one of my favorite comedies, uh, Party Down. And she made a joke about not really understanding quote unquote like French comedic sensibilities. And when she said that, that was kind of like the perfect opportunity post event to email her and and kind of like hook her in through that um, kind of a joke that she made. Mm-hmm. And the same can be said about mixers. You know, hopefully you started a real conversation with someone and you brought up one of these kind of like resources you made up in that list that we talked about in episode five in that follow-up email, probably you should mention one of these things. Have you seen like BoJack Horseman yet or whatever show you mentioned? I just watched episode three and this person dies. Oh, wait, spoiler alert. (laughs) Don't do that. (laughs) Don't do that. Don't do that. Um, But yeah, it's really just about bringing some context to that follow-up. One of those things that you can do, let's say that she said she loved Party Down. I actually haven't seen that. I'm sorry. But if, if if you know of other shows that are like that, that maybe she hasn't seen. Yeah, and and a thing that I do often when uh, when I meet someone new at a mixer or whatever is just like jot down after the event, kind of like quick notes of what I remember we talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, so that could be on my phone. I mentioned the app Full Contact the other time, or Google Keep. Those are kind of like note taking uh, apps that sync with the the contacts. Just like helps me remember what you know, what we talked about or what that person is into or what that person aspired to be. Yeah. The worst thing you can do, especially once you've been meeting a lot of people is get people confused. And so oh. I feel like that's why it helps when you have those notes because you're not like, Oh, by the way, how is your job at whatever? Or how, you know, I heard you were writing this and they're like, no, by the way, I need to send you notes on your uh, sci-fi feature. Oh wait, no. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> oh, man. All right. Now that we've talked about context, let's look at the actual ask. Like, what are you going to be asking and how will you be asking it? So this is how I like to do it when I send emails. If you are asking something from someone, put it up front. I would say in the first sentence, probably even in the first clause of that sentence. For example, hi, John, just wanted to see if you had a chance to read the script I sent or ask your friend about X for me or something like that. And then make it polite and well to do from there. Ask how they've been, what they've been up to, fill them in on your life, your recent accomplishments in the later paragraphs. Uh, Do keep it to one idea per paragraph. Don't cram everything into one huge chunk that they can't read. But, you know, I find that if you put your point at the end of the email, they might have already stopped reading or been distracted or actually missed the question or asked somewhere in amongst that as they're skimming through. So I like to put it up front, even if that might seem a little more insistent to some people. I do the same thing. Uh, I will give a caveat, though, that um, that format is more with someone that I've already met in person at mm-hmm. least once. If it's just a cold email and I've never met that person in person, <laughs> or I've never met that person in real life, I first try to build that relationship. So again, to go back to the event example if i like someone at a panel and i'm emailing that person in the beginning of my email i'm probably going to be explaining what really drew me to that person oh exactly yeah if you attended a panel with damon lindelof or something and you by some miracle happen to have his email or you're tweeting at him or whatever um the first thing out of your mouth shouldn't be so if you have any opportunities for a writer's pa (laughs) uh it should be more like hey man i really love your work this is what i loved about the speech that you were giving a little tiny bit about yourself being like i've always been into sci-fi etc and then maybe you can be like so you know if anything comes whatever you, your particular ask is like here jj do you have a job p.s i do enjoy star trek <laughs> It all comes back to treating other people like actual people, not just other individuals that serve your needs. You really want to make sure that that you're not just banking on someone else's goodwill. You you want to give them something in return. And in terms of like the formatting, one thing I do like to do is just like keeping it really simple and really minimalistic, almost bullet point style. Mm-hmm. Um, one line, one line, and it's kind of like a psychological trick. When if you just have like short lines of text, mm-hmm. it's going to be easier to read and uh, like a reply. good screenplay. Thank <laughs> you.
that brings us pretty close to the end. What are the takeaways that we are looking at this week, Alex? So the number one is there are a variety of different ways of why you should be following up, whether it's an informational follow-up, like asking for advice or feedback, a thank you after a job interview or uh, sending a resume or meeting someone, or just a general ask, like grabbing drinks or coffee. And uh, timing is crucial. Every ask or follow-up has a kind of different time frame that's appropriate, and you really need to learn the differences so that you don't come off uh, seeming weird or pushy. And uh, what you say in your follow-up is as important as how you say it. Uh, make the email personal about them. You know, go back to context and be upfront about your intentions, the ask. It's not about copy or pasting emails. It's about making them individual. Except for when you're a prince from Nigeria who really needs their bank account details. <laughs> Uh, and on that note, what are some resources we can give uh, these uh, fine folks? Uh, well, one that I use a lot, even kind of I've adapted this from what I do in my day job, is using Google Docs. So you can actually set up spreadsheets and things like that, as, as exciting as that sounds. Um, spreadsheets? What? <laughs> for uh, submissions. So as like a lit assistant, um, you're doing that for kind of uh, clients' scripts that are going out and projects and all that kind of thing. You can do that for your own stuff, even if it's like, not necessarily for a script per se, but for yourself. It's like you can set up a, a tracking kind of like Google Doc of all the people that you've had drinks with in the last like year and that kind of thing. And that's where you can include some of the information Alex was talking about by putting notes in. Maybe you can put their contact information as an easy way to reference it, what you guys talked about. If uh, you um, submitted a script to them, when maybe you should follow up, you can even put dates in. Or their social security number, their uh, <laughs> mother's made a name, those kinds of things. <laughs> Their home address. Their home address. <laughs> yeah, don't be a waiter. Uh, what kind of resources do you use? Well, the resource I'll be recommending in this podcast is an awesome Gmail extension called Boomerang. Uh, Boomerang is a small extension you can add on Firefox, Chrome, Safari. And what it does is it adds a little tab on your Gmail inbox whenever you want to write an email or reply. And it's basically a way for you to schedule an email to be sent later. So let's say you're going to write, it's like 1 a.m., whatever, I want to write to my boss. And then I'm going to send it immediately. However, through Boomerang, I can schedule it to be automatically sent out at, let's say, 7 a.m. And on the flip side, it can also push emails back. So for example, if I just received an email and I don't want to deal with it until next week, then I can set Boomerang to Boomerang it back in a week. Put it back at the top of your inbox. Exactly. All right. And that brings us to the end. So we, as always, we would like to thank you all for listening and investing your time. Please leave us some reviews. You can find that at paperteam.co slash iTunes. That's .co. And any reviews that you give us will help build our community, bring in new listeners, and more people to party down. And as always, you can find us online. I'm on Twitter at TV calling. <laughs> and I'm at underscore NJ Watson. If you have any uh, thoughts, feedback, uh, boomerangs you want to send our way, <laughs> uh, you can email us at ask at paperteam.co. That's C-O, not .com. And next week, we are going to be talking about, as Alex calls it, building your reading onion, getting notes, taking notes, building a group of people around you who are going to give you feedback on your scripts. Can't wait for the notes you're about to give me. Nick. <laughs> Remember, notes have layers. All right. Thanks, guys.